In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data. So we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial Microphone in my home office, somewhere in western New York, it's the Computer Exorcist Podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Arena, your Computer Exorcist. You can visit my site at thecomputerexorcist.com, where you can buy shirts and hoodies and coffee mugs that say you're a fan of the show, and you can take a look at my uh, sponsors. So instead of running ads on my show, instead of running banner ads on my website, instead of any of that, I just give recommendations to things I actually trust. And many of those providers will give me a a commission of some kind if you check them out uh, and buy something from them. So appreciate that in advance. And as always, most importantly, thanks for telling your friends about the show and for telling them about my book, How to Protect Yourself from Your Computer, which I wrote in 2017, and in it I wrote, The examples will obviously change over the course of time, but the concepts are eternal. All of the concepts I talk about in this book are the fundamental concepts of the tech industry and the absolute dearth of ethics and the ways that people use technology to abuse each other uh, and how to watch out for those and how to smell whatever's coming in the future. Um, As long as you know the fundamental concepts, who cares what they name it in the future or what kind of product, right? No matter what they call a product, if it's controlled by the factory forever and killable by the factory, no matter what it's called, if you know that concept, you know to avoid that product. Is that right? Okay. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm really enjoying this this new digestible half hour format. Um, I was in September. I was on a road trip with somebody, and she was listening to podcasts. And I didn't want to listen to the one, two, three hour things. I liked the little digestible thirty minute. You know, you get some information, you absorb it, and you move on. Um, for me personally, I thought, you know what, I really like that actually, and. Uh, I want to do my show like that, and hopefully you guys are enjoying this too. It, it puts a limit on me so that 
I don't rant and rave and ramble, and, and my guests, when, when I get them, uh, they won't go off on tangents, right? That was the thing with my bonus show. It was three, four hours long, and it was certainly fascinating, and I had some great people, but it would just go on and on and on and on because we'd go off on tangents. So this little limitation here of 30 minutes helps me get to the point and and helps me focus on one or two points instead of going off on zillions of tangents as I am wont to do. You know, Our Lady Peace said in one of their albums in Spiritual Machines, they said something like, a great paradox is the fact that we are mortal and we have limited lives. However, that gives it meaning because it actually puts pressure on us to do something with our limited amount of life. If we had a lot of time, right? If, if, if for some reason we end up living for 200 years or 300 years or if, if we didn't have any limit to our lives, we would waste that time, wouldn't we? Because that's a human nature. We would waste our time. So the fact that we have a limited amount of time in life, just like on my show, we have 30 minutes, uh, helps us to focus. So to recap on last week's episode, we were talking about the discovery. And you know, the more I think about it, the more amazing it is, right? The discovery that sometimes the waste, the byproducts of whatever it is you're doing turns out to be quite valuable, right? And there's there's so many examples of it. Um, in my life, as I go around servicing people's computers in their homes, I always ask if they have old computers. If they're too old to use, what I'll do is I'll rescue their data. Uh, if it's dead, I'll properly recycle it. But a lot of times, I will accumulate all this vintage computer stuff. So one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? So I had an eBay lady, and now I have an eBay guy, who sells stuff on eBay for me, right? All this stuff that it's perfectly good stuff, it's vintage stuff, somebody wants it, and I don't want it in my living room. Um, so if you have a lot of stuff out there that, sure, it's in great shape, but you don't need it, find someone to sell it on eBay for you. Or uh, in in uh, my brother's case, he has he lives in an apartment building, and they have what they call a magic table, where hey, you can it's like leave a penny, take a penny, right? Leave something that's useful that you don't need, and someone will enjoy it and take it, and they might leave something useful for you. So that's pretty cool. So today's episode, since since this is a new show. I want to keep going reviewing all of the concepts, the the basic tech concepts, the fundamental concepts, and the the things that make me different. I want to go through all those again for those of you who have just discovered the show. Um, I want to get into those intro concepts before we start diving into articles. Uh, later on, most of the show was going to be just me reading articles and barking about how stupid they are and clarifying what should actually happen. So, here we go. The last time we talked about the four new threats, right? Those concepts that very few computer guys know about uh, that I'm here to enlighten people about. Today we're going to talk about a few more things. Let's talk about bloatware, first of all. It's, it falls under the category, actually, of, of legalized malware, which was the first new threat that we talked about last time. Bloatware is fully legal, and it's placed on your computer by the factory. When they are assembling your computer, 
they plop what they call an image on your computer. So instead of installing Windows and then each program one at a time, they just plop an image and it's a snapshot of a machine. And when they build your computer, they plop the image on there and it contains bloatware. Bloatware is software that somebody paid them to plop on the machine or something that they thought should be on the machine. 99% of the time, bloatware records your behavior and or slows your machine down. Bloatware is always, always unnecessary and always wasteful. Slows you down. So again, dudes are out there looking for viruses when in reality, and, and a lot of computer guys to their credit know about this, bloatware, it's from the factory. It can never, ever, ever help you. A lot of guys know about this, so that's cool. Uh, the first thing I do when I go see someone's machine, right? I rip out any antivirus products, and then I rip out any bloatware. HP is the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst in every aspect of everything they do, ever. Their physical reliability is pathetic. They are the worst perpetrator of bloatware. There are other brands that are reliable, like Dell and Lenovo are my favorites as far as physical reliability, but Lenovo does put quite a bit of bloatware. Uh, there's also Asus and Acer, very reliable stuff. I like them. They put a lot of bloatware. Okay, uh, So <clears throat> bloatware comes to the factory, designed to slow you down so that, oh, a year from now, two years from now, oh, my computer's horribly slow. Something must have happened to it. Computers never physically degrade, okay? Rarely do they physically slow down or degrade. The real problem is software that was intentionally put on the machine to slow it down, and you can rip that software out and make the machine faster than the day you bought it. And that's why I said from the very beginning when I started my business, I can make your computer twice as fast as the day you bought it, simply by removing those things that were intentionally put on there to slow you down without your knowledge. Next scandal is what I call the forced obsolescence rat race, or the support rat race. Okay, in the 50s, the concept of planned obsolescence came about, right? We're going to sell you a product, it'll work perfectly fine, but then, hey, we'll come out with something new, some new design to make you feel like you should buy the new thing even if you don't need it. Okay, that's planned obsolescence. It's worse in my industry. It's worse now because what I call forced obsolescence okay it's no longer let's make a new product and then let's lure you into buying that new product even though you don't need it it's we're gonna make a product and then we're going to tell you you are not allowed to use it anymore even if you wanted to okay and in in some cases they use scare tactics in other cases they actually kill the product alright so great example 2014, when Microsoft said, okay, we're no longer going to support Windows XP, or a couple years ago when they said, we're no longer going to support Windows 7, I think it was 2020 or 21, support simply means they no longer want to answer phone calls regarding your product, and they no longer create update attacks for that product, which are clumps of duct tape and Bondo that don't ever help you do anything ever. 
it doesn't mean your product will stop working, okay? People all, zillions of people called me in April of 14 and then later on with Windows 7 and they said, I got a message on my screen saying that my Windows XP is going out of business and my computer will uh, will stop working. Will my computer explode? Do I need a new one right away? And the answer is nope. It's a cash grab scheme. Your machine will run totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Luckily, Microsoft isn't actually killing your machine. They're using scare tactics to make you think you need a new one. Okay? They're making you fear that, well, viruses are going to come out and then they won't give me patches for those viruses. When in reality, viruses do not happen. Because the bad guys do what, the four new threats, which is what we talked about last time. So if someone tells you your product is out of support, you keep using it. As a matter of fact, the newer versions of Windows are always worse and slower and violate your privacy in worse ways. And they're more complex and so on. So you should use the older version of Windows because older is always better when it comes to Microsoft. Unfortunately, in certain cases, they're not just scaring people anymore. They're force attacking so that you can't use that product anymore. In those cases, yeah, fine, we'll have to get a new machine. Um, the, For example, uh, iPads, right? Where there's a situation where Apple attacks their iPads with update attacks, makes them slower, okay, fine. Then they no longer do an update attack, and, oh, wait a minute, this version of this iPad is two weeks old and it's two weeks older than this week's version of the program you wanted to use, the app you wanted to use. And the app shames you and says, sorry, too bad, you're not allowed to use this week's version of the app on that iPad, okay? That's forced obsolescence. Same thing with a web browser, okay? So I can usually make a Windows machine run many years longer than the, the out-of-support date, okay, fine. But eventually, some website is going to say, shame on you, you're not allowed to go to this website anymore unless you have this week's version of Firefox. Okay, and Firefox, to their credit, does a great job of, of supporting versions of Windows for many years after. Okay, but eventually, let's say five years after Windows goes out of support, Firefox stops uh, working on them. So, you're trying to use a website shame on you, you're not allowed to use this website unless you use this week's version of Firefox. And then Firefox says, look, we're not going to do any more new versions of Firefox. So at that point, yeah, unfortunately, you got to buy a new computer. Um, the extreme example of this is uh, factory killing. Okay, in the case of Sonos and a lot of other products, um, you buy the product, and when you turn it on the first day, you have to beg the permission from the factory to use that product, okay? And that's because the factory designs it to be controlled. So every time you turn it on, it relies on permission from the factory to function. And then a couple years from now, they say, sorry, too bad, this is out of support. And in that case, you are not allowed to turn on the product anymore. The product turns on. It calls home for permission to exist, and the factory denies it permission to exist. That is the most extreme example of forced obsolescence. So when I go to cocktail parties and people have Sonos speakers in the corner, and I just laugh to myself and say, this product will stop working intentionally at an arbitrary date. Because shame on you, you were told that you need to go buy a new one. And, and look, 
half the people who are victims of Sonos are, are going to be very mad about this. And the other half, which blows my mind, the other half is going to say, well, that's okay. I have to buy a new one because because newer equals better. And there might be viruses in my speakers. And I like new things. And I don't have a problem buying new things. This blows my mind that someone would would accept such an evil, evil industry, right? If I told you, hey, you know what? Your car, your house, whatever, your anything you own, you're not allowed to use it after a certain date. Same thing with Apple AirPods, I believe. Rumor has it that they have a kill date in them. So one day in the future, you'll turn them on, and it'll say, sorry, too bad, shame on you. You know, again, I mean... I hope a couple years from now when this stuff starts coming out that people become enraged and get their torches and pitchforks and put these companies out of business. Um, it all starts with awareness, folks. That's what I'm here for is awareness, okay? Awareness. That's what's going to stop these evil people. Tell your friends. Friends don't let friends buy Sonos products. Um, so that's forced obsolescence, and that is... Yet another example of why this industry is the most nefarious industry in human history. Um, yeah, so again, I mean, if you have a computer that says, shame on you, you're not allowed to go to this website because you don't have the newest Firefox, and shame on you, we don't make newer Firefoxes for this computer, okay, fine, I'll set you up with a new machine. But other than that, keep all your stuff as long as you can in order to stick it to the industry. Okay, let's talk about combo boxes and fake Wi-Fi. So when you get broadband internet service into your house, if you have more than one computer or device, you need something to distribute that signal across all your devices. That's called a router, okay? The modem just connects you to the provider. So that's the definition of the two things. Modem connects you to the provider. The router distributes signal to all your devices, your laptops, tablets, smartphones, okay? Not everyone can go out there and buy a router or doesn't want to pay some big box store to walk in and install a router. So your internet provider offers their own wireless router. All right, fine. It's marginally useful once in a while in rare occasions. The problem is a lot of them did something called the combo box scandal where they gave you a router and a modem together in one device. Nobody knows why. But if it's a combo box, if it does both jobs, it does both jobs very poorly. You're only allowed to use wireless or Wi-Fi less than 10 feet away. If you walk farther away than that, it just doesn't work and nobody knows why. Of course, they always boast that, oh, we have great speeds and blah, blah, blah. So they might bring you a powerful connection into your house, but the combo box cuts that signal by 90%. All right, the other problem is if you end up switching providers, well, it's a combo box. So even if you bought your own combo box as opposed to renting theirs, you need to get rid of it and buy separate components. So that shatters all your wireless stuff. You have to set up all your wireless devices and wireless printers all over again. It's a nightmare. Lately, for example, when Spectrum took over from Time Warner, lately I haven't been seeing a lot of combo boxes. Unfortunately, stores still sell them uh, to people who don't know any better. But lately, internet providers have been doing a lot less with combo boxes because they know how horrific they are. And they know how they get uh, constant problems with them. But lately, they've been doing separate devices, 
okay separate modem which which works well but the separate router they're renting out is utterly useless it's just as bad so i've coined the term fake wi-fi to make it simple and understandable they claim it's Wi-Fi, it works on occasion, but it definitely doesn't work more than 10 feet away. And you'll see all these commercials, right? Yeah, Comcast or Spectrum or whoever, we have great Wi-Fi. We have great Wi-Fi to do all the things that you want to do in your modern life. But it is utterly fake. And I don't say this as, as to throw pot shots at them. This is the reality I rip out their equipment every day. I go to someone's house and their Wi-Fi does not work because they're positioned more than 10 feet away from the fake Wi-Fi. And they say, I can't get on the internet. What is this? And they, you know, what's the, the huge unintended consequence, by the way, is if you're infected with a combo box or fake Wi-Fi, you call the cable company and you tell them your problem and they say, well, you need more internets. So they charge you for a more ridiculously expensive package, which is horrible because they're already giving you a great signal to the building in most cases. Okay, The problem is the fake Wi-Fi or combo box, whatever you have, cuts the signal by 99% and again, can't use it more than 10 feet away. So I'm not saying this to, to criticize or give pot shots. I do this every day. I was at someone's house a couple days ago, and, you know, why doesn't our internet work, Mark? And is our computer broken? So I determined that the computer itself was totally fine. It was just a matter of internet speed, right? So computer speed versus internet speed. Okay. So I said, yep, it's fake Wi-Fi. And they said, what do you mean? I said, yeah, it's fake Wi-Fi. It's utterly fake. Yeah, but how could this big company say that? I said, I don't know why, but they're utterly incompetent. So I ripped out the fake Wi-Fi, fake wireless router and I said hand this back to them and you will save five bucks a month by the way and then I sold them a real router which is any router that's not from the internet provider that's made by a real manufacturer and I plugged it in and of course all their problems went away and it was incredibly fast it was actually the fastest uh, response time I've ever seen uh, in that particular situation. So the new ones, as I predicted, are just as bad as the old ones. Fake Wi-Fi. Friends don't let friends use fake Wi-Fi. So if you have wireless problems, right, and everyone has to work from home after 2020 and all that stuff, if you have wireless problems, it's because of the fake Wi-Fi scandal. And I rip out the fake Wi-Fi, I put in something else. You always want to avoid... Uh, so as far as brands go, okay... Uh, avoid Linksys forever and ever, amen. Their products are twice the price of everyone else, and they physically melt after a year, and they spy on everything you do. Also, avoid anything that's cloud-controlled, right? If you buy a mesh device, mesh devices are okay as long as they're not controlled by the cloud, like the Amazon Eero scandal or the Google Wi-Fi scandal. Um, those are controlled by the factory forever. So guess what? A year or two from now, shame on you. These aren't supported anymore, and you're not allowed to use them anymore. Uh, my favorite is TP-Link. Netgear is okay. D-Link is good. Uh, but my favorite is TP-Link. You plug it in. Don't do any of the setup. Don't sign up for their apps. Don't sign up for their spam. Don't do anything. Just plug it in, and your password's on the bottom, and you're done. There are plenty more industry scandals, but we'll just we'll talk about two more and then we'll call it a day. How's that? Um, 
the the next thing I want to talk to you about is the smart TV scandal, and we will spend lots of time on this in future episodes. Um, here's the deal. I saw, I foresaw the need for a device that allows you to watch content from the internet. I foresaw that back in 06, 07. Okay, and at the time I actually tried to create a device that would allow you to watch all that great internet content on your television. Um, because back in college, a couple years before that, we were uh, connecting our PCs to our TVs so that we could watch, you know, all the content was coming from the internet. The funny videos and the YouTube and Netflix were just starting out. So, um, I knew back in 06, 07, there was a need for some kind of device that made it user-friendly with a remote that you could watch internet content so you didn't have to have keyboards and mice and pop-ups and viruses and all of the extreme chaos that comes with a Microsoft PC. Um... So eventually you have Roku and Fire Stick, which are great, but eventually TV manufacturers said, okay, let's integrate internet capability into our TVs. And just like a combo box, if you integrate something, that's the worst possible idea ever. Because it means 12 minutes from now, if some kind of requirements change, especially with hyper-complex apps and internet connectivity requirements and and all and support and all that stuff we learned today you have to put that tv in the garbage after two years um, so that's the point of a smart tv yes you are allowed to watch that great internet content but you are only allowed to watch what they let you watch you are limited to the apps that they let you use and you are limited by time so 12 seconds from now Oh, sorry, the Netflix app is no longer supported, or the Prime Video app is no longer supported, and you are not allowed to watch that channel, and their goal is that you put that perfectly functioning TV in the garbage. The great tragedy here, of course, is that the first generation of LCD televisions, the normal stuff from 2005, 2010, and so on, I still have a lot of those TVs, and they're perfectly fine. They're reliable. So again, it's, it's smart TVs incorporate forced obsolescence, where, sorry, too bad, that app isn't supported anymore because computer programmers love putting the burden on them, yet they hate having people depend on them, yet they, they have a burden on them. Oh, I have to manage all this stuff for you, and I have to put updates so that you can keep using this TV. So... Another couple of things that smart TVs do, uh, they record your behavior and sell it. So one of the execs from Vizio actually came out and admitted, hey, look, yeah, we are doing post-purchase monetization. All right. Uh, so as you watch things, they are recording your behavior and selling it. So after you purchase the TV, they are still monetizing you. How do you feel now? Worse than that is Samsung, which records everything you say in your house because it has a microphone in the remote or in the TV in most cases. So Samsung used to be awesome. I have some 2009 Samsung televisions that were non-smart, and they are phenomenal and reliable and quality and value and everything else. But Samsung TVs, the smart TVs, are the worst possible product ever. Um, so... You're not allowed to use the apps that they don't let you use. You're not allowed to watch apps after a certain date, and you'll start to see this in the future. The Samsung TVs also torpedo uh, themselves with update attacks. So the factory 
bombards the TV with update attacks, so the TV stops working in one or two years. I had a lady the other day, uh, early last year, give me a 50-inch Samsung television because it was torpedoed by an update attack. The factory destroyed her product. Update attacks are usually extreme incompetence as opposed to malice, but still, update attacks destroy. So that TV was attacked and destroyed, so she gave it to me, and I, I eventually fought with it and got it running. So Samsung also attacks their own products to destroy them. Uh, again, after a couple of years, um, and that, so that's why they're so vicious and desperate when you turn it on. They attack you so desperately, like desperate animals, to try to get you connected to the internet because they want to start torpedo attacking your product and they want to start recording what you say and they want to start recording and selling your watching behavior. They want to control what you watch. If you are infected with a smart TV, please disconnect the TV itself from the internet and get a third-party device, an external device such as a Roku or a Fire Stick or something else. I'm still working on my own product. It's been on the back burner. Uh, but the idea is with an external device, hey, if it becomes out of support, okay, you recycle that and you spend 20 bucks on a new one instead of putting your entire TV in a landfill because shame on everyone in this industry. Shame on all of you, especially those who claim to be environmentalists. Shame on all of you. Yeah, so that's the story with smart TVs. Um, it's it's an evil computer integrated into the TV for the purpose of recording you and making you think, oh yeah, I like smart TVs. Yes, yeah, smart equals good. I was told smart equals good. So we'll do more on that in the future. Yeah, people are going to start to realize this stuff many years later. I've been barking about this for the past 10 years since I've been a talk show host. And it's all starting to come out now. Final concept I want to talk to you about today real quick is passwords, right? Uh, we have a lot of passwords, and the scumbags in this industry say, you should have long, complicated passwords because I was told that was good. Everyone in this industry is running on myth, rumor, legend, and hearsay. Yes, a guy came out a long time ago and, and set the stage and said, okay, you should have your passwords that are long and difficult to guess. He came out years later and said, hey guys, I apologize, but I was totally wrong about this. That doesn't actually protect anyone from anything. The only Bad guys aren't guessing your passwords, folks. There's not a bad guy sitting at a keyboard typing your password. Because by the way, you'll get locked out if you guess it wrong three or four or five times. So that's not happening, folks. So the only thing a complex password does is guarantee that you are tormented and confused. And same deal with if you work for a company and they make you change your passwords every 30 days. I used to work for a corporate outfit and they made the, each employee had 30 different accounts and had to change the password for each of those every month. So it was utter chaos and the end result was they would just put their passwords on a post-it note on their monitor. So the, the end result was less secure. Um... Nobody in this industry ever keeps up with training, so that's why no one realized that that guy came out and said, hey, forget about it, this complicated password nonsense. It doesn't help anyone, it just torments everyone. So no computer guy has ever kept up on his training. So imagine if your doctor didn't keep up on their training, right? 
So complicated passwords is a scam. Tell your friends it's a scam designed to terrify the world and it can never protect anyone. And 99% of my income is from people who forgot their passwords because they were too long and complicated. If a bad guy wanted to get into your stuff, they walk in the back door of a company, right? All bad guys are lazy. All computer guys are lazy. So what they do is instead of guessing your password... They walk into the back door of a company that's infected with naked Microsoft technology and they grab the whole list of passwords for everybody. So no matter how complex your password is, they have it on a spreadsheet. They don't care how complex it is and computers don't know the difference between a, a, a Roman character and an exclamation mark. And No. But no one in this industry has any logic or common sense. So these jokers are out there, you need to have long, complex passwords. Final comment on passwords. Um, yes, they need to be written down on real sheet of paper, a real dead tree. Okay, because there's a lot of these password managers. Yeah, and Google and Firefox are, are trying to, we're going to, and, and Safari, we're going to suggest strong passwords for you. Strong passwords are good. Strong passwords are a scandal designed to take that control away from you. So they auto-attack and they generate a long password and then they keep it in the browser forever so you're not allowed to have it. And, of course, it locks you out of all your stuff. So that's a control uh, power grab there. Um, any kind of password manager will eventually be hacked or will kick you out and deem you unworthy. All right, so password managers are fake. Turn off suggestion attacks for strong passwords. Make sure your browser doesn't suck your passwords because then you won't have them anymore. Either the browser will eventually destroy itself or if it's a cloud-connected browser, it'll eventually destroy itself or it'll take your passwords away from you. That's the whole point. So keep the control in your hands. And, and all those people will say, Mark, I don't worry, I'll remember my password. I don't need to write it down. They're the, they are most of my income from people who assure me that they'll remember their password. And, of course, if you pass away, then your family is left terrified because they don't know your passwords. So please, folks... Please keep your passwords on a real sheet of paper. A bad guy isn't going to break into your house and steal your passwords on paper, right? It's extremely unlikely. But it's extremely likely that a bad guy is going to break in to some kind of password management software. Keep your passwords on a real sheet of paper. I actually sell little steno pads, little memo pads for people. Keep your passwords on a real sheet of paper at all times, and you'll end up paying me a lot less money. That is it for this edition of the Computer Exorcist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully all that made sense. That is the crux of what I do, is exposing industry scandals and the absolute lack of logic that this industry has, and the absolute lack of ethics this industry has. Sign up for my quarterly spam at thecomputerexorcist.com and look up the brands and products I recommend. And you can always call me for free advice before you get involved in something. And tell your friends about the show and you can buy hats and hoodies and mugs and stuff on my site. We'll talk to you next week.